right, so with it being January, January is a good time to kind of reflect and look forward. And I wanted us to start a sort of a mini series on the show where we take a look at the current big platforms and see where they've been and look at where they're going uh, this year and look at some of the big trends that are going to come out. Because I think that might be a real nice way for us to kind of start off the show um, in a big way. So I think the first one today that we'll start with is Nintendo. And that's mainly because me and Federico, over our time of talking about video games together, our conversations have been basically dominated by Nintendo. Mm -hmm. I don't think for either of us it's the system that we play the most games on, but it's the one that we have the most affinity with because we both grew up with Nintendo. So Federico, why don't we start by taking a look at where Nintendo have been in 2015. Um, and I know that you've been doing some some numbers crunching. Yeah, I mean, the, the obvious way to consider the past year for Nintendo would be to look at the numbers, right? Because that's a metric that we can all agree upon. So last year, at least until September 2015, that's when Nintendo, I believe, reported the last numbers, they sold over the lifetime of the Wii U uh, just above 10 million consoles. So there would be 10... 0.7 million units uh, of the Wii U. Uh, it's been three years since uh, the, the launch in, in 2012. So is that 10 million total? Oh, about five minutes, I think. Yes. Shahid, how long did it take to get to 10 million PlayStation units? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to you. Flying the flag already. <laughs> this, is, this is not about a console war, guys. So, anyway... Uh, 10.7 million units uh, over the lifetime of the console worldwide. And what's interesting already is that if we look at the games sold for each Wii U, uh, Nintendo sold 69 million Wii U games. So there will be a penetration of about six and something games per console, uh, which is quite a nice number, I believe. Speaking of the 3DS, however, uh, it's quite a different picture. 3DS um, has sold uh, basically in four and a half years, uh, 54 million units, again, as of September uh, 2015. And that would be, compared to the DS, it would be like half. So the DS, by the same time, four and a half years after the launch, uh, sold uh, over 100 million units, I believe. And it's up to 154 million units now, like since the original DS launch. Uh, it's one of the, I, I believe, maybe the top selling console, or that would be the PlayStation 2, maybe. Anyway, yeah. it's, in, it's in the top three, definitely. And so the 3DS, it's not doing as well as the original Nintendo DS was doing, uh, but it's still doing much better than the Wii U. And... Again, if we compare, you know, the number of Wii U units sold and the Wii U games uh, sold to customers, um, it it's not a pretty picture, you know, especially when you look at the 10 million number. And especially if you compare that to the PS4, uh, which would be, you know, uh, a competitor to the Wii U in the modern console generation, the PS4, as of January 2016, just, a, I believe, a... Uh, last week or maybe a couple of weeks ago, Sony said that two years since the launch, uh, they sold uh, 35.9 million PS4s. So, you know, in two years, almost 36 million PlayStation 4s have been sold to customers. So again, if we only consider the metrics here, the numbers here, 
Nintendo is obviously the loser. Console sales and, you know, nice numbers when it comes to Wii U games. But when you compare that to the PS4, and we don't have real numbers for the Microsoft Xbox One, uh, but, you know, it wouldn't be too hard to say that it's selling more than the Wii U at this point. Uh, Nintendo is obviously, you know, it, it, it has lost this console generation. Unless you look at handhelds, right? Like, they're still the winner in the handheld generation. If, obviously, if you pull out iOS devices, but, you uh, yes. know, the 3S <laughs> has sold more than PlayStation sold Vitas. Yeah, uh, I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. Sorry, Shahid. Uh, we're, we're very sorry. We love the Vita, but it's not we doing do. exactly well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's no Mario on it, man. That's all I'm it is, sorry. you know? Sorry. Uh, don't kill the messenger, Shahid. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I wanted to ask you both, so Mike, I know the answer, but Shahid, do you own a Wii U? I'm ashamed to say that I don't. I've come close a few times. Okay, so describe this this decision to me. I've loved Nintendo and their first-party games for as long as I can remember. Actually, that's that's a lie. I didn't quite like Nintendo as much in the original iteration. You know, when the NES was out, I kind of didn't get it. And it's because we're talking about mid-80s. And in the mid-80s to to late-80s, I was making games. And so there was a very different feeling to NES at the time. But come the Super Nintendo, and I was completely smitten. And since then, I have bought various Nintendos, several uh, Game Boys, I think just about every Game Boy they made, including the Advance. I bought the um, the N64, which I loved, mm. almost as much as I loved the SNES. And I bought the Wii, which I didn't love anywhere near as much as the SNES or the N64. Did that love wane off immediately, or did that take some time to, to, to kind of to fall away, the love for the Wii? No, it's pretty much immediate. I wanted to love it. You know, I really did want to love it. And I thought they were very brave by going in a different direction, you know, going for a different sort of control, which I thought was genius, rather than trying to fight the tech war, which it was very clear at that point that Sony and Microsoft were running away with. So it's a great piece of lateral thinking to come up with a system that was much more family-oriented. So I really wanted to love it. But like many families, it was very much like like a toy you know you'd get it out for christmas when the family was around and then it would go back under the telly or in a box somewhere in a cupboard or something and that i think was the case for the majority of the life of the Wii for me and for a lot of people as well but it Mm -hmm. didn't hurt its sales of course but the wii u never really stuck i mean the way i saw it was we have to respect it this is when i was at playstation we have to respect it as a competitor what are they up to what are they trying to achieve here you know, what's with that controller? Is this something we need to um, be looking at more closely? But then the content offering... Oh, sorry, I said content offering. I swore I'd never say that. The uh, games... Too late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I slip into it so naturally. Corporate persona still Slipping popping in. up every once oh, in a while. Oh, man, you've you got you to gotta tell me off whenever that happens. You've got to have some offering. kind of sound on remaster, right? <laughs> every time... I slip into corporate speak. I need some kind of virtual slap. All right, well, I can work on that. So the games, I thought, you know, it's just more of the same. You know, I didn't see anything fresh or new. Things were better. Obviously, there was more polish. There, there were more interesting curios. But 
I don't know. I, nothing really convinced me to to go out and buy one, much as I wanted to. You know, there's there's of course there's Mario Kart, and I've been mm. an enormous Mario Kart fan. Um, and I think I get a lot of stick for this. My favourite version was the SNES version, which to my mind is one of the best games ever written, if not the best game ever written. Yeah. I don't I, know. I, mean, <laughs> I adored, absolutely adored the Super Nintendo Mario Kart. Yeah. Right? What was that? Was what would they call that? What was uh, it? Super Mario Kart? Super, Super Mario, Mario Kart. Kart. Yeah, same as every other game on the N- Super Nintendo. It's just that Super in front of it. Uh, but I, having gone back to it in later yeah. years through emulation, I mean, you can see why it was so great, but the advancement of the current versions for me pushed them out in front now. Because it's like, yep. this was really great then. Yeah, I mean, Mario Kart 7 on the DS, that's, for me, at least the highlight, maybe. But whilst a game like Super Mario Bros. 3, um, that, for me, still holds up when I play it now. Like mm-hmm. that, I, you know, because it's a much more simple game and the, it's kind of the perfect platformer. But maybe I have a stronger affinity for that game um, whilst Shahid has his affinity for Super Mario Kart. But anyway, we're veering off topic. What, but what's interesting from hearing you say that, Shahid, is I, I think that the Wii U really suffered from a severe marketing problem mm-hmm. at Nintendo. Which is the whole branding of the Wii U was was poorly executed, I think. So I've come up with three main issues that I see in Nintendo over the past few years. Okay. And I kind of wanted to go through these um, before we talked about uh, what Nintendo did last year as a sort of a recap. And then as we talk about what's coming this year, hopefully. Uh, so my three main problems. Uh, Nintendo suffered. Uh, because of the rise of mobile gaming, iOS and Android devices, uh, people playing on their smartphones, on tablets, and Nintendo obviously, you know, they, uh, doesn't have any kind of game or mobile app yet, and they waited for many years, and, you know, people are now just playing uh, lots of games on, on their iPhones. Second issue, as you mentioned, Mike, uh, Nintendo failed to explain the Wii U. The, the, it's a, it's a, a marketing problem. Uh, people don't understand what the Wii U is, what the Wii U does. And maybe now they sort of understand, but it took a couple of years for a lot of people to kind of figure out the Wii U. It's not an accessory to the Wii. It's a new console. And, you know, the, the early marketing campaigns didn't really help in this regard. Um, and the third problem, which is sort of related to the first one, Nintendo woke up too late uh, with uh, the mobile app initiative, with the Amiibo, which is another uh, you know discussion that I want to have with you guys. Uh, they sort of waited and waited many, many years. And in the meantime, people were playing on iOS devices and people were saying, why don't you... Why don't you make money off of your main characters? Uh, there's other, you know, you can make toys, you can make all sorts of ac- accessories, and Nintendo was doing nothing. And eventually, you know, last year uh, when they launched Amiibo, they started doing that, but it was maybe a little too late. So these are my main three problems. But what I find interesting is that Shahid mentions a very basic problem of the Wii U, which is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't believe it's a good idea, the console itself, the gamepad and all that? It's not so much that I don't think it's a good idea. It's that I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I don't get what it's offering over and above previous generations. It's never really been successfully communicated to me as as a customer, you know, not as someone who understands the video game cycle or video games history 
or the business in general. It's just as a customer, I never understood why I should buy one for my home. What would I be getting as a result of this that I couldn't get with the previous generation? You know, there's a little bit of a power bump, but, you know, it, it wasn't such a big deal. So what was I going to get in terms of the stuff that yeah. I really loved about mm -hmm. Nintendo with Wii U that I wouldn't have got with Wii? And given that I was already a little bit dissatisfied with Wii and that I stuck it away, um, it sounds like I've got a downer on Nintendo and I don't. I absolutely love Nintendo and I want Nintendo to succeed. Oh, yeah. And I love the DS. You know, I thought the DS was an absolutely stunning piece of kit. Um, I, I actually was at PlayStation when it came out. And I asked one of my colleagues who's going to Japan to bring me one back. I paid over 200 quid for mine, which was <laughs> insane. Yeah. Yeah. I imported one from Japan as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I convinced my, my video game store owner friend to sell me his DS because I was so, I was like 12 or maybe 14, I don't remember. Anyway, I was so obsessed with the DS. I was calling the guy every day. Uh, because I knew that it was importing uh, some DSs from Japan. And I was like, did you get one already? Did you get one? Like every day, sometimes multiple times per day. And eventually he grew so tired of my, my phone calls that he was like, just come down to the store and I'll give you mine. And I didn't feel bad about it. I sure bought his DS and he had to wait like a couple more weeks. Um, I was so... It's one of my most vivid memories, getting the, the Japanese DS. It was genius, you know, back then, the stylus everything. The DS and the Wii show that Nintendo had the ability to innovate mm -hmm. maybe more than some of the other platform vendors. Yeah, I would say that eventually maybe down the road they kind of especially the Wii kind of lost its way. Yeah, uh, it, because they, I, I, yeah, they, they, but they, the reason that they had to innovate with those consoles in the first place was because they lost their way with what they were doing, right? Yeah. They lost their way with the GameCube, they lost their way with the Game Boy, so they had to innovate and come up with something new because they couldn't compete on the standard market with Microsoft and, and Sony. So they ended up innovating and creating something new, mm -hmm. which is potentially what we're hoping to see anyway, or you know, the, the tale that people were starting to draw because it's what they want the answer to be, that the NX will be the next level of innovation. But I suppose we'll get to the NX in a little bit. Yeah, you know, maybe the biggest problem of the Wii U is that it, as a follow-up to the groundbreaking success of the Wii, it was really difficult to kind of come out with something that's revolutionary in a way. You know, it didn't have the motion control. Uh, when the when the Wii came out, everyone was obsessed with the with the little uh, Wii remote because it was so new, it was so different. And the gamepad, uh, which was the you know the the, the top feature of the Wii U, uh, it came out and people were like, okay, is it an accessory to the Wii? Is it like a tablet? It's not like a tablet. It's not like like an iPad. Uh, I still need to be in front of my TV. And it, and I guess it's kind of understandable. Um, you know, it, it must have been really hard to kind of say, okay, how do we follow up to the Wii? And maybe in hindsight, the gamepad was not a good idea because it wanted to be like a tablet and it had some benefits, like, you know, off TV play. Uh, so you could uh, let someone else use the TV, you could continue playing on the gamepad. And maybe it's just a combination of factors, as in most um, cases, it is a combination of different aspects that didn't quite uh, play as, as well as the company hoped. So it's the gamepad, it, wasn't as good or as 
groundbreaking as the Wii Remote uh, was the the you know the the underspecked console compared to the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. It was a marketing problem. It was maybe also a problem of Nintendo not releasing games that truly took advantage of the Wii U gamepad. Or maybe yep. it was the problem of the online infrastructure. Uh, you remember the stories, uh, and this also applies to the 3DS, of people trying to transfer purchases from one console to another, people getting frustrated. At one point, you had to unscrew the 3DS to perform, what was that, a system update or maybe to it transfer? It was to transfer your <laughs> yeah. games from one platform to the other. And you had to actually, it wasn't even just unscrewing it. We both had to buy oh, yeah. specific screwdrivers yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with specific heads on the screws, not just like mm-hmm. a Phillips head, so we could actually open the thing. Today's episode of Remaster is brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. With Igloo, you'll be able to create an internet that you like to look at. It is something that's going to look great, it's going to work great. This is what's so fantastic about Igloo. It's super customizable, you can configure it to make it work and feel exactly like it belongs in your business. They have role-based access permissions and group spaces, so you can easily add in the functionality that you need to the teams that you do wherever they need it. It keeps everybody working in the best way possible with Igloo. Like for example, maybe you uh, want to manage task lists, maybe you want document collaboration, maybe you want to share status updates. You can choose which parts of these functions go with which teams whoever needs these things the most and all of that stuff you can manage it from wherever you want because igloo is completely mobile it's completely responsive it will work with you no matter where you choose to work maybe it's in the garden maybe it's in bed maybe it's at the office maybe it's at the coffee shop it doesn't matter what you want to do or where you want to do it igloo has got you covered with igloo you can share files of your co-workers for you all to collaborate on you can track who has read these documents with read receipts it makes sure everybody is seeing the right stuff it makes sure you know who's seen those important documents and it makes sure that everybody is on the right page at the right time. They have 256-bit encryption, single sign-on and Active Directory integrations. Igloo is super safe and super secure and it even allows you to integrate services like Box, Google Drive and Dropbox into their big, easy-to-secure platform to stop people from taking secure documents outside of the business. It's time to break away from an internet that you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now and you can try it for free with any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. Sign up at Igloo software.com slash remaster thank you so much to igloo for their support of this show so it was a combination of problems i would say and to understand these these issues to kind of contextualize these problems i think looking back at the past year alone would be a good start so last year of course in addition to the very sad passing of uh, satori iwata which left us i would say personally devastated because Mm -hmm. i really wasn't expecting that um the big news from Nintendo would be Amiibo. Uh, so Amiibo everywhere, multiple waves of ami- Amiibo toys. And I looked up some numbers, and in, in 2015, Nintendo sold um, 21 million Amiibo toys, uh, plus 8 million Animal Crossing Amiibo cards. So almost reaching 30 million Amiibo sales combined. And... Last year also saw the announcement, uh, official announcement of plans for the Quality of Life initiative, which we're still waiting for, the next major Nintendo console codenamed NX, and Nintendo announced a partnership with Dina, which is a Japanese uh, video game company, uh, to bring mobile games to the App Store for iOS devices, and I assume the Google Play Store eventually for Android. Uh, in terms of games, we it wasn't exactly a big, 
big year for the 3DS and the Wii U. Uh, we got Splatoon, which is a new franchise from Nintendo, and I would say the highlight of the year, maybe. Yeah, Splatoon has a long life ahead. Yeah. Mario Maker, which is what was a surprise for many people. Uh, Mike, do you remember Yoshi's Woolly World? Sure do. That's a cute game. You got the you got the, the Yoshi... Uh, I got the Woolly Amiibo. Yep, yep. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles X, if you're into Japanese RPG. Uh, Majora's Mask 3D, which was you know long-awaited remake of the of the, the original N64 game, and lots of spin-offs like Mario Tennis, Mario Party, uh, and many Japanese releases, which we're gonna get eventually. Then we got more news, of course. Uh, a new president, Tatsumi Kimishima, uh, is now uh, guiding Nintendo towards the future. Zelda for the Wii U got delayed which I want to talk about this. Um, Nintendo also announced they're going to work on theme parks with Universal Studios. Is that the name, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to just a few weeks ago, the holiday season, we didn't exactly get any major titles or, you know, no new Mario games, no Zelda, no Miyamoto titles. And we, we did get an announcement, uh, which is Mitomo. I believe Nintendo had a press conference in the fall, and it was quite a strange announcement. It was like mm-hmm. an investor call, and Nintendo decided to drop the the news of we're getting into the the mobile app space, and we're making this new social app slash network slash game, which is called Mitomo, and it's based on me characters. And it's still unclear what Mitomo is going to be exactly. We just know that it's coming out in March, so couple of months from now and as you can see from this recap it wasn't really a big year for nintendo which makes me assume that the company is preparing for big releases and changes this year um nintendo did uh i, I saw an article on gamma sutra nintendo did run the most tv commercials in the u.s so almost 50 commercials 49 to be precise um on, on TV networks last year, uh, which again makes sense. You know, you don't have you don't have any major announcements or releases. You you try to push as much as possible what you have. I actually expect that compared to previous years, um, Nintendo had a, had a solid holiday season. I know that a Wii U became uh, part of my brother's household because mm-hmm. they were doing great bundle deals um, because they kind of have to. So I, I think that they probably had a, a fairly decent holiday season. Yeah, that could be. Uh, I I don't know anyone who's buying Nintendo consoles anymore, which is sad, you know, because I I do love my Nintendo consoles. It's just I can't help but wonder what exactly is Nintendo working on and how are are they thinking of kind of facing the problems that they have. And, you know, we're getting this Mitomo in a couple of months and I don't know if that's what I was expecting Nintendo to launch on mobile. uh, to kind of start, you know, this string of mobile releases. Nintendo should have, uh, I believe, four more other games uh, on mobile devices by next year. Yeah, they have said as well that this year we will see a game that mm-hmm. leverages a popular character as well. Mm-hmm. So that we're still going to get at least one more this year that, that probably will be Mario, I reckon. So let me let me ask you both. So I'm just cutting to the chase here. We, Mike... You and I, we have talked about, you know, playing on on mobile devices and maybe spending a little more time on on the iPhone and iPad uh, playing games instead of a portable console such as the 3DS. 
So do we think now, uh, in 2016, I mean, it's kind of obvious for me, but, you know, I want to discuss this. Mobile gaming has been a problem for Nintendo. And it has been a problem because people just don't want to make the commitment of buying a dedicated console that's not a tablet anymore. The numbers would suggest, right, the, the 3DS numbers would suggest that people are still buying 3DSs. But you look at the DS to the 3DS and you can see that those numbers are declining. And that will probably continue to occur over time, right, as people are moving to iPads and Android tablets as mobile gaming because it has Minecraft on it, uh, <laughs> as opposed to these handheld physical like platforms. But... I still think that Nintendo should continue thinking about that, which is why it's interesting to note that the NX may be both, right? But I think it's it's really important for them now to try and let go a little bit about what they know and start again. Because that having having iOS games and Android games is a really good thing to do, but Sony don't need to do that. And they don't do that, right? That's a great point, Mike. I mean, here's what I think. And this is pure opinion. I I will not try and um, decorate this as fact in any way. What I think happened is both Nintendo and Sony got hurt by their own success. Nintendo got really hurt by the success of Wii. That sounds nuts. How does someone get hurt? Well, what happens is you're under tremendous pressure to repeat that success. And also, there is this sense that you knew what you were doing. And that's not always the case with a corporation. I think we've been... I say we. God, I've got to get out of this. I'm saying we again. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at PlayStation, we were genuinely surprised at how well PS4 was doing. Because there were people saying, you know, this is a make-or-break season for PlayStation... And have we lost our way? Is this the end? And we did better than ever. And I think what happened was we learned the lessons of PS3. And we needed some some of that medicine, I guess, of having to work really hard to try and overcome a lot of the problems that we faced, which we created ourselves, actually, mm-hmm. to, to go back to essentially what our roots were. And what, what were our roots? Our roots were a really powerful, easy-to-program console that developers would absolutely love that appeals to our core base. And this is a problem of legacy. I mean, Nintendo is a toy company, essentially. What they're doing, I think, when they're at their absolute best, are creating joyous experiences, almost toy-like experiences, for their core base. So I think with Wii, they were so um, taken aback by the success of that console especially in the family sector, that they forgot what they were all about. And they thought, okay, well, we've got to repeat the success. The Wii brand is too valuable. And they forgot that actually it wasn't the Wii brand that made them successful. It was the Nintendo brand, and it was Mario, and it was Zelda, and everything else that they'd created that people loved so much. And they thought, well, you know, just like, you remember when Intel created the Pentium And it was very difficult for them to shift away from Pentium and call the next thing anything else because Pentium did so well. So they ended up having Pentium 2, Pentium 3. And I think the same thing kind of happened with Nintendo with the Wii in the transition to the Wii U. And they thought, okay, well, we innovated last time by creating this new controller. I guess going down the controller route, and this is pure speculation, by the way, might be a good idea. 
So let's try riffing off that. But then they forgot what made the Wii U really successful was not actually their core principles. It was a, a bunch of, um, I guess, factors that, that contributed to it. One of those, I think it's very, very important, was that it was a really, really easy to use, easy to communicate device. You sh showed people that you were waving this wand about and people just got it. You showed people a balance board and people just got it. And they, they treated it like a Christmas toy. And that's why it did so well. With the Wii U, I think they went too far. And I think that's made it... I think two things have happened. The first is it's become really difficult to communicate what that device is. And the second thing is, because it's become difficult, it's been really hard for them to shoehorn their most popular brands into that device. And they're also facing problems in, in the fact that it's very hard to translate those wonderful brands that they've created, those wonderful characters they've created to other devices, to, for example, mobiles. How do you do that without losing the essence of what makes Nintendo Nintendo? I think PlayStation learned that lesson very well through PS2 being really successful, PS3 being, you know, a sheer fight to stay alive, and PS4 being very much a return to the PS1 roots. I, mean, I would argue that as well, I mean, and we'll, we'll get to this at a later episode that, you know, if you look at other platforms, I think Microsoft are in this issue right now. They had a very successful Xbox 360 and uh, they, ha they had some stumbles at the Xbox One and it's kind of left them in a, in a bit of a pickle, I think, right now. But we can get to that later on. Um, what do you think, Federico? I, I, I listening to Shahid kind of made me think, do you, do you believe there's two Nintendos here? One that's uh, in love with the success of the Wii and reaching a wider audience and making a lot of money and selling millions and millions of units. And the other that's more tr traditional, maybe, uh, the, the toy company that wants to reach the, the core audience, you know, the Mario games, the Zelda games. Uh, how, do you, how do you think Nintendo can and sort of balance uh, this this dualism between inside of the company. Well, that's the tension that exists in just about every successful company, and it exists especially, I think, in Japanese companies, where I think the whole culture is very much rooted in innovation. I mean, for decades the Japanese have been innovative. Innovative uh, companies were the foundation for the success of Japan globally. And I think there is always going to be the tension between the creative impulse that speaks to the core values of the company and whatever is making that company financially successful. That tension exists within PlayStation, within um, Nintendo particularly. And whenever, I say particularly, because whenever this is lost, whenever you lose sight of your core values and start to drift too much towards, well, what do we need to do to be successful? I think it's very difficult to, to win because the tension there is always going to be won out at a senior level by, well, this is what we need to do to be successful. And if you haven't got enough voices at that senior level saying, we've got to stick to our guns, the thing that made us successful in the first place, those values, you know, not the products, but the values that created those products, if we stick to those, we're going to be okay. And if we veer away from that or lose sight of what it is that those values end up creating, then we're in trouble. Nobody has got the guts to say that. I mean, who's going to stand up 
at Nintendo board level and say, well, you know, the, where we ended up with Wii was not where we wanted to be. Because it's very hard to argue against financial success. But actually, you're setting yourself up for a fall in the long term. And then one of the mistakes, obviously, I've got to reference PlayStation because I worked there. But I think one of the mistakes we could have made towards the end of PS3 was, well, that was a close battle. We eventually ended up selling more units than Xbox 360. So let's carry on doing more of that. No, I think people woke up. And I'm hoping that the same kind of process is underway at Nintendo. So how do you look at Nintendo coming to mobile devices? Do you look at the, the you know, announcement sort of like raising uh, uh, the white flag and surrendering to what's happening? Or do you see like a positive spin in that announcement in that Nintendo wants to, uh, it's kind of acknowledging where customers are and they're, they're like, okay, we want to delight customers and to surprise them and to have them play our games on mobile devices because that's also where, um, where you know, people play these days. And I guess the question is, do you see genuine excitement from Nintendo in making mobile games or is that more like a, like a shareholder sort of uh, forced decision under pressure? You know they're reluctant, right? Like they are, they are reluctant to do this. Yeah. They do not. They never wanted to do this, and I think that that comes across in in all of the way that they have announced it. They don't seem to really talk about it with any real excitement. Um, and one of the things that I see about this now is. The devil's in the details, right? Like how they implement this. Um, my hope is that they release mobile games that tie in with the console games in some way, right? Like you can continue to play a like a free running game, you know, like it's infinite running games with Mario and collect coins that you can then use in the console version. If they do stuff like that, then I think that there's real benefit to it. But I think where they're coming at console games right now and with the time that they're doing it and the way that they're approaching it could very easily be seen as a desperation move as opposed Mm -hmm. to a genuine strategy move Mm -hmm. so what is nintendo's role today what 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 is nintendo in the video game industry what do we expect from from DNX? Not just in terms of you know what's the console gonna be like, what's the hardware, what you know what's the software that we're gonna get at launch. But the key question is for me: What does Nintendo do today? What does it stand for? And the more I think about it, um, the more I have to agree with Shahid. Uh, Nintendo is the company that delights people, and it's it's it puts a lot of care and a lot of you know. Uh, fun into playing games and and maybe that's me being a little more grown up these days maybe a little more jaded but you know i the 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 latest generation of kids whenever i go uh, i go to gamestop and i see a 10 year old kid wanting to buy the latest gta or call of duty and this happens every single time i go to gamestop i feel i want to say sad inside because I remember when I when I was that age, I just wanted to play Mario games and I just wanted, you know, to play these cartoonish games. And game and kids these days they either play Call of Duty uh, or GTA or they play Minecraft, which is, you know, I love Minecraft and I love that kids are sort of into that game. Uh, but I just wonder, how does Nintendo approach kids these days? They have to keep leveraging the characters. 
in a way that I don't fully understand, but mm, yeah. is 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 the um, real strength that Nintendo has is my three year old nephew loves Mario, and I don't know why. How mm. did Mario come to him? No idea, right? <laughs> right, like we love Mario because we've had Mario our entire lives. Yeah, exactly. Where yeah. did Mario enter his life? Like, I don't know how that happened, but ev- he wants all the Mario games. He doesn't understand Super Smash Brothers, but I gave him my copy um, to play with over Christmas when he as he got his new Wii U. He's just getting destroyed, but he loves playing the game, right? So I said he <laughs> well, can keep not, it. Not really different from you, Mike. No, that's why he can keep it because I can't play it. Uh, but he adores Mario. And I think that that is their strength, and they they have to keep working on that. And I believe that they will, because nobody else wants to make games on their platform. So maybe that's the reason for making mobile games. It's not as much as making people like us happy. So we can say, yes, Nintendo finally gets it. They're making mobile games for the App Store. Maybe the main reason is to reach the mm. the younger generation. To So kids these days can say... 10, 15 years from now, I grew up with Mario. Maybe the, 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 the easiest way to reach them is to make a mobile game. And eventually from the mobile game, they sort of graduate to the console, you know, the full console experience. I would say that's the dream of Nintendo, to, to use mobile yeah. games, not to make money necessarily, of course. It's like native advertising. Exactly. That, that would be, you know, um, so 10, 15, 20 years from now. You can say, uh, I was I was six, I was seven, and I got this Mario game from the App Store, and I discovered Mario, I discovered Nintendo, and now I'm a Nintendo person. Um, in theory, that could work, although I see many, many problems with that strategy. Shahid, do you think that would work? I think they should retire Mario. I will kill you. Get off this show yeah, right no, now. Yeah, no, seriously. Go on. Okay, so <laughs> let, let, me <laughs> let, me, let me explain. Listen, I love Mario too. I've got to tell you a beautiful story. You want to hear a beautiful story? I do. Yes. Because you've got to get dig yourself back out of that uh, hole, I've my friend. I've got to yes. dig myself. I know, I know. I said the worst thing possible. Am I fired, by the way? I'll just get my coat. Yeah. So <laughs> when I was a lot younger, I was playing Super Mario 64 on the N64, which to this day is, for me, one of the greatest video games ever made and will remain one of the landmark games in the pantheon of video games for eternity. Change video games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fundamentally defined them, defined the mm-hmm. rule set. So, you know, we, we've talked about that before, but here's why. I remember not being able to solve a particular level. I woke up one night at 4 a.m. with an epiphany. And I thought... I know how to do this. I got out of bed, went to the living room, and what I dreamed as a solution, I tried. Now, I didn't solve it, but I woke my daughter up, who came into the room. She was very young at the time, couldn't have been more than, I don't know, three or four. And she sat down and watched me play. Now, anyone who knew me in my 20s would know that I had a particularly foul mouth when it came to... Not doing well (laughs) on a particular level, okay? So here I was trying again and again and again to solve this thing. And I knew I could do it because I'd seen how to do it in my dream. And eventually I got so frustrated that I clenched the controller tight instead of chucking it, which if my daughter hadn't been around, I would have chucked it. And I went, instead of what I wanted to say, I went, 
I gritted my teeth and said, I'm going to hit Mario. <laughs> and silence. And then after a few seconds, I heard crying. And I turned round and my daughter was in tears. And I said, what's wrong, sweetie pie? What's wrong? And she said, I don't want you to hit Mario. I like Mario. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I, I thought, you know what? These people know what they're doing. It's that magic source. They've created something absolutely wonderful. But that was a character I played when I was in my uh, 20s. Well, he's 30 years old now. It was a character that my daughter grew up with, but he's become the Mickey Mouse of Nintendo. And I mean that in a complimentary way. He's their hallmark signature character and should be taken out only in terms of symbolism and and their values and ideals. But they need to move on. I mean, you look at Disney. They've created some wonderful films lately. You know, they didn't stop at Mickey Mouse. They went on and worked with Pixar and had Toy Story, mm. which redefined a generation. And they made The Incredibles. Again, redefining stories for another generation. And they're working on stuff like Frozen and Up. Disney doesn't stop. Mm. Disney doesn't yeah. say Mickey Mouse is a future. Disney says Mickey Mouse was a wonderful venerable character who will always inform our principles and ideals but each generation has its own aspirations has its own touch points its own values the things that excite and move it you know even the cultural milieu that you grow up in informs the content that you watch oh no i said content games you know <laughs> films and so on so i think if nintendo are to remain relevant they need to stick to their values and they need to keep reinventing. But there's no reason why they couldn't create something that was as big, if not bigger than Mario. That's, see, that's the beauty of the situation. If they wake up to their values, they can do that. And then what they do, this is what Nintendo would be great at, and this is what they used to be great at, is they will create the hardware to express those values the best. They won't be mucking about tinkering with mobile. They won't be looking to extend their brand value into another medium. They won't be going, how else do we change the controller to get more people in? They won't be thinking about broadening the audience. You broaden the audience by making stuff that people love. And if you can do that, there's absolutely no problem broadening the audience. You know, I gotta say, the Disney conversion actually makes sense. Yeah, it's a, that's a great way to, to express what you're explaining. Yeah. And I can understand what you're saying like i think it would be nice if mario was used less um you know having like mario golf or mario tennis is potentially not needed um and sticking to the big landmark mario release you know the the once a year big mario game might better serve the character and i would love to see nintendo create more new characters so they don't have to worry about Mario so much but I don't think I, I would I would like to live halfway between what I want and what you want so they don't kill him yeah. uh, but they use him less and I when you were talking about that I was like oh Splatoon right they've created a new IP like uh -huh. Splatoon is, is going to be a big deal but there are no characters in Splatoon like there's yeah. nothing to hinge you are playing Right? Well, there, there are no characters in Minecraft either, you could say. Yeah, so it's, like, it's that idea, right? But that's the thing. But then it's not... So the thing is, all you can do is create more Minecraft games. Um, but with Mario, you're able to kind of stretch it out a bit more. And you can have Mario Kart 
and Mario and Super Smash. And mm-hmm. that is a great series of games that revolves around that character, all of which continue to be relevant and continue to be fun. And Nintendo can continue to make those. But with these games like Minecraft and Splatoon, where you're giving the control of the player to become the character, you're not creating a, I believe, a long-lasting 30-year life of a brand in that way. I would want to see Nintendo, instead of doing Mario Kart and golf and tennis, I would want to see Nintendo Kart, Nintendo Tennis, Nintendo Golf, you know, to bring all of the characters together. They definitely did a lot of that with Mario Kart, right? They brought Zelda into it, for example, and Animal Crossing. But it's still called Mario Kart. Yeah, that's a really good point. They They could do that, couldn't they? They could just bring... Like Super Smash Brothers. Exactly. Doesn't have Mario's name. Nintendo Land, for example. Yeah. You know? Good point. I like that. Today's episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code insertcoin at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level with no coding experience required. They have intuitive and easy-to-use tools which make building a website super simple. You can make a website look and feel exactly how you want and it'll be based on their beautiful templates. They all feature responsive design. They make sure that your website looks great on all sites as a device. The templates are really customizable. It gives you the ability to create something that feels right for you. Maybe you want to set up a store. They have great commerce functionality. Maybe you want to set up a gallery. They have great uh, things for you to display your portfolio if that's what you want to do. Squarespace is super awesome. It's super configurable. They have 24-7 support. They have teams located around the world that are there to help you with anything that you might need. Squarespace uses state-of-the-art technology to power all of their sites. They ensure security and stability which is why they're trusted by millions around the world. Also, with their rock-solid fast hosting, it doesn't matter how much traffic is coming to your site, Squarespace is going to be able to handle it. You can sign up for a year and you'll get yourself a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month and you can sign up for a free trial today and start building your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code insertcoin, or one word, I-N-S-E-R-T-C-O-I-N, to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Remaster. Thank you so much to Squarespace for sponsoring this week's episode. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Looking ahead at next year, or this year, I should say, um, 2016 for Nintendo. So in addition to mobile games, uh, we're going to get this Mitomo social game in a couple of months. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we actually know something about it. Yeah. The, the big, uh, I assume, the big event this year would be the 20th anniversary of the Pokemon series. So the Pokemon anniversary, 20 years since the original 1996 launch of Red, Blue, and Green in Japan is this year in February. 10 years ago, um, Nintendo did a 10th anniversary. So they did a bunch of, uh, of events. There was like a tour in the United States, uh, a, a movie, a made-for-TV movie. There, were, there was the Nintendo, I think it was called the Pokemon Party of the Decade. That was like a big event where people could get together, buy merchandise, play Pokemon, the trading cards game, the video games. So we can only assume that this year they're going to do a similar celebration. Mike, yeah. you told me a few days ago they, they're doing a Super Bowl commercial. They're doing a Super Bowl ad, yeah. um, which is just talking about 
Pokemon, and I've seen, um, and I'll find it for our show notes, a little kind of Twitter ad that they put together, which mm-hmm. talks about a bunch of things happening this year. They're doing like uh, monthly giveaways on, the, I think it maybe is on X and Y of legendary Pokemon, so like Mew and stuff, you'll be able to get those. They're, they're re-releasing and updating movies and the trading card games. Uh, they have Pokémon coming this year, the yeah. fighting game. Yeah. They have Pokemon Go, which is a mobile game, which is an alternate, like an AR, uh, like Pokemon game where you find real Pokemon yes. in the real world. This is the stuff that they've announced. Uh, they also have anniversary red and blue uh, yeah. special themed Nintendo 3DSs that come preloaded with the old games. By the usual release cycle, they there we are due a new Pokemon game this year as well, but they've yeah. not spoken about that. But it's been two years since X and Y, and yeah. I would be really surprised if we don't get that this year. The Pokemon Company have announced that this is that there is going to be a series of uh, announcements to go throughout yeah. the whole year. I think this is going to be a really big year for Pokemon. Yeah, I'm going to call Pokemon Z right now. It's going to happen this year. Yeah, that's yeah. But what would it be though? Z and what? Uh, I, I don't know. Just one. Just Z. You know. <laughs> Maybe yeah, uh, just one game. Just one. Just one. It's it would be like uh like you know. Uh, uh, there was uh, red and blue and green and then yellow and then there was silver and gold and then crystal. What I want is red and blue fully remastered in the new. That's what yeah. I want. I mean, that's not what I'm going to get, but I want red and blue f- completely redone like they did with Ruby and Sapphire. Y- you know, you know why I would also love that? Because I don't know all of the new Pokemon. It's like up to 700 and something, I think. I just know the first 151. So I want the Red and Blue Remaster. So I know the game. I know the Pokemon monsters that I'm getting. And I can play an old game. With all of the new advancements and then a bit of additional content at the end, which extends the game. That's what I would love to see this year. You make this game for old guys like us. Exactly. So the other big anniversary this year. So, of course, we're going to see some Pokemon announcements. And, you know, that's going to be nice. The big anniversary for Nintendo fans would be Zelda's uh, 30th anniversary this year. Mm -hmm. And we already know two major... uh, you know, announcements that we're going to see. Twilight Princess HD, the remaster is coming out on Wii U, I think in March. And uh, in fact, I got I to put in my pre-order on Amazon. Um, and we're going to get, hopefully, the new Zelda game for the Wii U with the open world structure. I still don't think that's happening for the Wii U. Why? It's too big a game. Like, they should hold that off for the NX now. Yeah, I, I, I told you last year, uh, I had the feeling it would be like a Twilight Princess on the GameCube, which also came out on the Wii. Uh, I guess the main question is, do we see Nintendo releasing the NX this year? And if we do, how's that going to be like for Nintendo? Because the big rumor is that the, the NX will be sort of a hybrid console. So both home console and portable device all together in one. Um, we saw last year rumors that Nintendo was making a new uh, sort of infrastructure to unify the development platform for, uh, you know, for a single architecture in the future. Uh, then we we got the rumor that the NX is going to be a single console that you can play at home, you can take it out on the go and play video games with a portable device. Um, 
do we think it's happening this year? It would be four years after the Wii U, and it will require many, many announcements from Nintendo. You know, just if they plan to release the Nintendo NX this fall, this holiday season, uh, you know, I can only imagine we would get an announcement uh, soon, hopefully before June, and, you know, we, we should see games from Nintendo, we should see games from third parties. And I have no idea how long of a cycle that would be, if it's even possible to release a brand new console this year. So, Shahid, you, you've worked with developers for many, many years. From your point of view, is it possible to announce a major console, say, in March or in June, and have it ready for Christmas? Sure, if they've been working on it for a few years, mm. if they've got the supply chain all set up. But that's incredibly difficult to do and keep quiet as I'm sure you're aware from other platforms as well. I'd be really surprised if they were able to launch a new console this year. But I wouldn't be surprised if they announced something. The problem with announcing, as you know, is that it can stall uh, any kind of development or release activity for the current platform. It can slow down sales of the current platform even further. But having said that, Nintendo might have accepted by now that um, Wii U is not quite the success they'd hoped it would be and realise they need to transition to something else pretty quickly, something perhaps a bit more focused, easier to communicate. Maybe they have had um, teams working on the the new device and software for it for quite some time. I think that their show for the holiday season and for the last quarter of the year, to me, really indicates that their people are doing different things. I, I guess my main question is, um, can Nintendo go another holiday season without a new console? I don't think they can. Which yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that there is enough in the chain or that there even will be for them to sustain themselves for another holiday season. Uh, considering how it's been, you know, you, you, know, you look, look at those numbers over the lifetime of the console, how many more millions are they actually going to sell in 2016? Not many more. Yeah, yeah, but but imagine if the the, the new Zelda Wii U is not coming out to to the NX like you like you and me imagine. Um, uh, imagine if they say, okay, we're working on the NX. It's coming out next year. Meanwhile, this year you're getting the new Zelda only on Wii U, and by the way, also Metroid game. <laughs> you know, just let me throw in Metroid for good measure. It's not going to sell enough consoles, even the Zelda game. Like the majority of people that will want to play that game probably already have the console to play on yeah that's a good point i don't think i don't think zelda's a system seller as much as people would like to believe that it is zelda is really like a diehard nintendo fans game um ultimately and those people already have a wii u yeah i gotta go along with that mm. so what do we think of the rumor that they're making up a sort of a all-in-one console I think it I think it's genius if it is true. I mean because what Nintendo have proven is that they still have a market for a dedicated handheld whilst everybody else doesn't. Their market still exists there. Um one of the problems that they might have if they do a all-in-one is price. Potentially one of the reasons that the DS is so successful is that it's cheaper, right, than buying a PlayStation or an Xbox or a Wii U. So if the if the NX is priced at new next gen home console pricing, I don't think that they'll benefit from the handheld market as much. 
But if they can do it all right, you know, which is <laughs> never an easy thing, I think combining the two platforms into one device is a really interesting move. But is that going to still convince people to, to buy a portable device instead of a tablet? I think the dream of play the same game everywhere is something that is still trying to be realized and and that even you know even sony work on this still cross by and remote play show that it's like a dream that people still have which is to be able to play their video games wherever they are in the world on one device and it just work and it be exactly the same game that potentially nintendo could do that i mean a lot of their games i mean they could like you know really beef up the architecture and keep it effectively looking the same because people I think at this point accept that Nintendo games have a specific look about them which isn't what the PlayStation 4 can do right like the PlayStation 4 can can go in completely wild directions and make beautiful video games which Nintendo just doesn't do really and if they're able to advance their technology and keep the look effectively the same, which they could probably get away with, they might be able to make something that's handheld that can output what is required. Like, you look at what iOS devices can do, mm-hmm. it's possible. The counter-argument would be that by making an all-in-one console, you would make the same mistake that Microsoft did with Windows, that you would make just one thing that wants to do it all and it uh, excels at nothing, really, because you're trying to make a home console uh, with the compromises of a portable device, and you're trying to make a portable device that plays home beta games, and you're ending up with a sort of, you know, solution. Toaster fridge. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, because for many years, I remember, you know, reading a lot about this and the history of the DS, Nintendo was trying to make a portable device with the kind of games that will leverage the strengths of a, of a portable console. And so and even if you go back to the Game Boy, uh, remember genius games like WarioWare or the Pokemon series itself, they, they were games that lend themselves well to playing on, you know, on, a, on a portable gaming console. And I fear that by making a single device and, you know, you, you would... You lose the benefits of both platforms. You will, you will yeah. lose both benefits and you would be constrained. That, that sounds like a paradox, but you would be constrained by having to say, okay, does this game require a home gameplay uh, type of you know design or does it require playing on the go? And so sh- shorter sessions, uh, different controls, different saving systems. Um, I don't know how Nintendo can do that. And I don't know... If people want that, it is a dream to me to say, okay, the new Zelda comes out and I can play anywhere. Uh, but would it be really great to have an open world Zelda while I'm you know, wasting 10 minutes in line at the doctors? Uh, I don't know. It's very difficult to get the tech right as well. If you look at the challenges of a handheld gaming device, power and battery life are always in constant tension. For example, take something like the Vita or even the the DS or the 3DS and compare it to an iOS device. 
If you look at it on the surface, the processing power of the traditional gaming devices is lower. However, if you look at how hard those devices can be pumped continuously, you know, they're running at the maximum clock rate all the time. And that's something that's very, very hard to do with iOS. Having said that, if you compare the portable device with the home device, all bets are off. You can have as much power as you like. You don't have to worry as much about power, power consumption. You know, you can have loads of cores and then suddenly energy is not an issue. So if you're going to have some kind of unified device, I think the principles behind each are in constant tension. I still think the thing for them to do would be come up with a game that people want to play that nobody else has made before, telling stories with believable, wonderful characters that only Nintendo can do, and then design the hardware around that, design the experience around that, design the infrastructure around that. You know, playing a game anywhere, it's very, very difficult to get that right. I mean, look at the amount of time it's it's taking for a service like PlayStation Now to really become established, and then you have things like um, broadband infrastructure all over the world to worry about. You know, it's, it's not evenly distributed, uh, despite the future kind of being here. So I think there are quite a few challenges that Nintendo would face if they tried to create that kind of unified device. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's difficult for me to, to sort of imagine this, you know, a single console that does it all. And I still think it's the thing they're going to do, though. Yeah, it's, that's probably it, really. I mean, where there's smoke, there's probably fire. <laughs> uh, the thing that I, I look at with this is what Nintendo have to do. They're, they're, you know, the thing that was written on the whiteboard is we need to innovate again, right? Like that's that's the, the problem that they're forced to face, I think, is we have to do something that nobody else is doing. Oh, and by the way, we have always been a handheld and home console company at the core, I know. <laughs> Why don't we make one? Mm. And and I think that as well, like this is them uh, probably trying to think of something to get them ahead of the tablet game and the smartphone game, right? Is that they need to create some kind of like, because that's what, you know, a, a, an iPad is a hybrid home and a handheld device, right? You use it in the home yeah. and you use it on the go. And, and I think this is probably what's informing their thinking, but there is a, a lot of risk that is attached to that as to how they implement. But they need to do something that when you put it on stage and you put it online, you put it in magazines, you put it in the press, it's like, oh, wow, they did it again. That's what they need to create. And I think if Nintendo are able to do this somehow, that's what they'll have on their hands with, if the NX is, is what is, it is believed to be. I guess the, what we want to see uh, all of us is that seeing Nintendo return to to the core principle that innovation sells, and you know when people see something truly new. Uh, I'm thinking of the of a of a segment from Mad Men when Don Draper talks about new. Uh, new creates a sort of a something in people. Uh, the relationship between the product and and the and the customer changes, and when you you know, when Nintendo, I would say Nintendo at its best is when they're hungry, when they want to change the rules. And when you, you know, the best way to change the game is to play by different rules. And 
what in my heart as a as a long time Nintendo fan, what I want to see is Nintendo not being afraid of their own success with the with the Wii with what came before and their own failures. So whatever DNX is gonna be like, um, I just want to. Like you said, Mike, I just want to be able to look at, 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 at the screen and, and you know, at, at photos and say, yes, this is what they should be doing. Even if it's crazy, even if it's something that we haven't, we have never seen before, uh, I don't want to see Nintendo following other companies or yeah. themselves. Again. I think they can do it. And, and, and the reason I believe it is because the first time I saw the Wii and the first time I saw the DS... They were yeah. both consoles I could never have imagined. I can imagine what the next PlayStation will look like. I can imagine what the next Xbox will look like. I, I, but Nintendo have a way of creating these consoles that people cannot conceive before they see them. 